morning, brothers and sisters. We're going to start with a scripture reading, so would you please rise? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? So glorify God with your body. And we're going to have a performance from the children. saying victory in Jesus here. And 
Oh! 
gracious and provides for all who live and breathe. Your mercy runs to find the helpless and the weak. When we call out to you, you hear our cries, and all our needs your gracious hand break last week it was Memorial Day weekend good morning good Good to see you I am Pastor Sean I am glad that you are here I hope that you've come to proclaim and worship the name of Jesus the one whose fame we should be singing about right Amen, amen. We're glad that you're here. I'm, again, I'm Pastor Sean, and we hope that you feel welcome this morning. Uh, our, we feel our role at Hebron Baptist Church is to help everyone take their next steps in Christ. This is what we do. This is who we're about. This is what we want you to be about. And if you're visiting here for the first time, we hope that you feel that and know that. If you uh, don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, we hope your first step is to trust in him today. If you've been a a Christian for many years and you you don't really know how to read your Bible or pray with someone we want to connect you with someone who can maybe you've never learned to share the gospel in your workplace or how to do this in the context of the culture today we want to help you do that maybe you've never been on a mission trip well we want to send you wherever you are 
in your walk with Jesus Christ, we want to help you continue to grow closer to him. And we're glad that you're here this morning as we worship the Lord together. But we want to welcome you guests. If you are your first time here, we hope that you would, uh, there's a, con a co excuse me, I hope that you would connect with us. And by doing that, there should be a connect card in the pew in front of you. If there's not, there should be one. Talk to your neighbor in front of you. Get one and fill it out. And if you uh, would do that, go to our next steps desk at the end of the service, which is through these double doors to the immediate left. There'll be some people there wanting to help you, answer your questions, let you know uh, uh, more about the ministries of Hebrew Baptist Church. Uh, and I'll be staying, hanging around there and we'd love to talk to you uh, then as well. But we hope that you'll connect with us by filling that out. And if it's your first time here, we have a gift waiting for you there. So we hope that you'll do that. Well, what is our usual uh, steps? Today's a little bit different. First of all, uh, Pastor Mark is not here. He and his family are vacationing this week. And so we're thankful for the other Mark and for all the other instrumentalists and leaders that help us. Uh, the great team that the Lord has uh, blessed us with here uh, at Hebron Baptist. And we know uh, that we'll continue on, but our regular uh, routine is to um, uh, pray together. When God's people are together, we should pray. And that is our usual thing. So I hope as we pray for us specifically, for our church, for our world, that you would join me in prayer right now, if you would. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to come and worship you. You are a God who is worthy to be praised. And every day of our life should be living sacrifices for you. And Lord, as we've come into this place as as Christians and believers and some may be seekers and some not believers, we know, Lord, that whatever happens here today, that we will proclaim your name and the goodness of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, because of it, we know the realities that you have taught us in your scripture, the goodness of the gospel is that you created us who we are and yet we have rebelled against you. Every single person, whether it's a big sin or a small sin in the scheme of ethics of this world, all sin separates us from you. Yet in your goodness and your mercy and your grace, before the foundation of the world, you determined to set your son as a sacrifice for our sin. As Jesus died on the cross for, for our sin, we know he has paid the penalty. And three days later, when he rose again, he showed that our trusting in him is the only answer for our life. So God, thank you for this. Because of these truths, because we know that the world, there are those who are your children and those who are separated from you. God, you have put in us, one of the values here at Hebron Baptist Church is urgent evangelism. And Lord, we know because of this, it is our life's work to share the gospel, to first in our home to our children, but also, as we, wherever you take us, in our workplaces, in the school, in our neighborhood, wherever we go, God, we should be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. That we should have spiritual conversations with people. That we should dive deep into their lives because we care for their souls. And Lord, because of this, we are thankful for the ways that you do that here at Hebron Baptist Church through gospel to every home 
through the uh, Hoosier One Summer impact. We pray right now, even for people as they're thinking and praying about who they might bring as a guest with them this summer. We, we thank you for the desire to reach the nations as we send people to London and Argentina and Salt Lake City. We're thankful, God, you've put that in the heartbeat of Hebrew Baptist Church. And God, we pray that we would be obedient, all of us, in making the Great Commission vital to our hearts, lives, families, and specifically our church. Heavenly Father, I just uh, lift up uh, the Friday family, Lord, and we lift up the Nauman family, we lift up the Gallitz family, Lord. Uh, we know that they have suffered a painful loss this past week as Shane has gone to be with the Lord. Lord, we celebrate the fact of the gospel right now. We are thankful for its hope, for the hope of the resurrection, the good news of Jesus, that, Lord, you have given us the ability to grieve deeply and mourn greatly. But instead of the mourning overcoming, we have a foundation of hope in the gospel. That one day we will see Shane, that she will be celebrating the risen lamb just as we will. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would comfort the family, that you would use us as an instrument of your love and grace and encourage them in these days. Lord, we are thankful that, Lord, you have brought these families into our sphere that we might pray and encourage and love them and that all of us might be reminded of the good news that we have, that death can only do to the Christian good things because we are brought into your family for eternity and lord i just admit to you lord and i know that we all have admitted that there's times in our lives that we are not urgent about evangelism that we miss opportunities to share that we allow life to become more busy than thinking of the spiritual natures of our friends and families that we shrink back when we should be bold. That we avoid tough conversations when we know that for the goodness of their life and the true measure of love should be about having gospel conversations with other people. So Lord, whether it's in our home or whether it's in our workplace or wherever it was, Lord, forgive us for the times that we have been selfish. Forgive us of the times we've been lazy. Forgive us of the times we've been fearful. And Lord, help and embolden us to live for you. But the good news that I find in this, Lord, is that even when the times that I've failed, even when the times that I've not shared, even when I know that I've not done what you've called me to do, it is still that gospel that saves that gives me hope, that helps me to know that even when I've failed, I'm forgiven. And that I can keep running to you, confessing my sins and knowing that from you, through you, I am loved. So Lord, thank you for loving us, even us when we fail you. And through your son, you have showed it to us on the cross. So Lord, as we continue worship, we sing of this good news that we know that was one at Calvary. We pray, God, that, that we would sing this as a celebration of your love and the good news of the gospel.
In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please rise?
Good morning. Turn into your copy of God's Word. It is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible in front of you, it's page 837. 837. Hopefully I looked that up correctly, but I think it is. This is the last in our series of Edge of Exile, as we have walked through both the books of Habakkuk and Zephaniah. A powerful message from two different prophets to a people who were about to go through some of the most difficult seasons of the history of Judah, the most difficult times as a people of God, where they would be ripped from their homes, ripped from their homeland, and removed from the worship in the temple of the Lord. And as we think of these times, as we have been looking at how do we respond and how do we live in a time that we know that is becoming more and more difficult to be Christians in a way that we know that the world is going to get worse before it gets better until the Lord comes back. In all these things, how should we live? And we've looked at many different things, trusting in the Lord, uh, founding our hope in the Lord, making sure that we live rightly by the Lord's standard instead of falling into the, the traps of the world. Today, what we want to look at is be thankful that God is the Savior of his people. An enduring hope that we can have as we face all days. So beginning in Zephaniah chapter 3 in verse 9 to the end of the chapter. The word of the Lord came to Zephaniah and said, For I will then restore pure speech to the peoples, so that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him with a single purpose. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my supplicants, my diverse, dispersed people will bring an offering to me. On that day, you will not be put to shame because of everything you have done in rebelling against me. For then I will remove from you among your jubilant, arrogant people. You will never again be haughty on my holy mountain. I will leave a meek and humble people among you, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will no longer do wrong or tell lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will pasture and lie down, and nothing to make them afraid. Sing for joy, daughter Zion. Shout loudly, Israel. Be glad and celebrate with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is among you. You need no longer fear harm. On that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. I will gather those people who have been driven from the appointed festivals. They will be a tribute from you and a reproach on her. Yes, at the same as yes, at that time I will deal with all who oppress you. I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. I will make those who are disgraced throughout the earth receive praise and fame. And at that time, I will bring you back, yes, 
At the time I will gather you. I will give you fame and praise among the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. The Lord has spoken. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that your whole counsel of Scripture that you have given us has been breathed and delivered to us so that we might rejoice in your truth, be nourished by your truth, instructed and rebuked by your truth. But Lord, may we live by your truth. So Lord, as we come to the word today, we want to be changed by it, molded by it, made new by it. And Lord, I pray from your word delivered by the Spirit that the Spirit that resides in us will change us so that we're never the same again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometime these last two weeks, Pastor Mark and I were talking about a movie we had both seen, and we just talked about how the, the ending left a little to be desired. I don't know about you when you've had a conversation about a movie. Many times when I talk to people, they often will say, well, I really enjoyed most of it. I really liked it, but that ending really stunk. Or maybe like a, a TV series that had gone on for many years and it comes to the series finale and you say, you know, that series, the way it ended, almost ruined the whole thing. Why did I spend these last few years watching this thing when it was going to end this way? All of us know that we want the ending to come together in a particular way, right? Most of us have ingrained in us a happy ending. We desire everything to work out the way they're supposed to. We want every story, everything to be resolved. We don't want anything to think, oh, well, we, it might work out or it could work out. We want to have it all wrapped up together. There was a movie that was produced in the last couple of years that it's the story. It's actually an adaptation of a, of a play, and the whole play is really about the discouraging horrible things that happen to this family and the movie goes on and then it, 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 everything bad happens but for some reason in the end credits uh, you see one of the stars kind of watching uh, these horses play and they're, and they're smiling and, and it just seemed out of place because everything had happened so poorly but it was meant to leave you with this feeling that this person's life was going to work out they were going to be happy and everything was going to be okay. And they asked the director, why is this in here? Because it's not in the original source. It's not, uh, you know, not what you would expect, but from the rest of the movie. And he said, well, the studio kind of forced me to put it in there. We did all these testings and people were watching these movies and they complained because they said there was no ending. There was no good ending. So we had to add a good ending to it. I believe that that does say or repeat something in our hearts. We know that we want happy ending. Why is that? Because God, as he has created the world, has promised, even from creation, and yes, even in the fall of mankind, that he is going to make all things new. That God has created a story 
that even though there's going to be twists and turns and downfalls and rejection and rebellion and horrible things, that in the end there's something worth it all. There is a joy, there is an ending in store that everybody is waiting for and should desire. And that's eternity with him. You know, as you study the minor prophets, and I don't know if you, hopefully you have a habit of reading through the Bible every year or every couple years. When you dig into the minor prophets, really they can kind of be depressing. I don't know about you, but even as I've worked through Zephaniah, it can be pretty bad. I mean, it's just punishment for your sins and bad news and, and all these things, talking about the sin that they have done and judgment is coming i mean that's the message is that you're going to be punished for these things it's going to be bad the prophets reiterated these messages but i'm always encouraged because even in the message of the minor prophets and depressing nature of it it's never god's final word to his people his final word is always I am going to restore my people. I'm going to bring a remnant to myself. My people, I will love forever. My people, I will protect. My people, I will bring them to myself. There's this constant, constant theory or constant flow or cycle of this of the people in sin the expectation of repentance but as it happens in history there's less and less of repentance as we record in the bible but at the end of it god is still telling everyone that there's an ultimate unqualified blessing in store and the final message of chapter 3 is that God is loving, lovingly giving his people who are about to endure great trial a clear view of the final end so that they may be straightened, encouraged, strengthened, and prepared to follow him down a difficult path but to a worthwhile destination. Isn't that the message of the Bible to us? That God is strengthening us, encouraging us, and preparing us to follow him down a difficult path to a worthwhile destination. Zephaniah has written and said this prophecy to God's people in Judah, in Jerusalem, but there is no doubt the application of this is to all of God's people, a greater gathering of God's church. And this regathering is a gathering of the entire people of God into Christ's flock. And as we read these final words of Zephaniah, we should be driven to thankfulness for what God will do and what God is surely going to do and that he is a God who brings us salvation. In this text, we see three things that the Lord promises he will do for his people. Three things. So if you're taking notes on your bulletin or in your phones, number one, God will give his people a unified heart 
to worship him alone. God will give his people a unified heart to worship in him alone. Verses 9 through 10, we hear that we read this, for I will then restore pure speech to the peoples so that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him with a single purpose. Here we see and should understand by now as we've read through the last two books that calling on the name of the Lord is not a casual thing. It is proclaiming him as the one true God as exclusion to all the others, even the God of self. What is meant by when he writes, I will restore pure speech to the peoples? Well, in your copy of God's word, it might say purify their lips. Well, some people think, well, it's just for a way for God to change the people to proclaim him as the one true God. But it's actually deeper than that. What he's saying is that I am going to purify all of them, just as we read, you know, as in uh, Isaiah says, uh, uh, I am unclean, and he brings the coal to his lips. That is not just to say, okay, your lips are good and the rest of you are not. He's saying all of you as a people have been purified. I am going to purify all of them. He is converting them to call on the name of the Lord with their lips to proclaim him as the one true God. And this is certainly in contrast for what we read even earlier in this chapter. Their wickedness, how they proclaimed their pride, how they rejected God, how they actually even fell to idols. All of these, he's speaking about these people. And yet God is saying, I am going to purify their lips. I'm going to purify them. Think of the picture. The priests who claimed they were the Lord's servant were also serving Baal. The people would swear by the Lord, but also swear to Molech. They were bad people who did not serve God at all. And what was their hope in the edge of exile, God was saying? As I am going to save and convert my people to a people who oppose me, to a people who love me. God is saying, I'm going to create in them a heart that calls on the name of the Lord. And God is gathering his people, he's saying. And this is what we're doing. God is saving us, saving his people, so that we might be joined together in a course, in a family, in a city, in a place, that we would stand together unified as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship and serve him. It is almost the direct opposite of what happened at the Tower of Babel. That people who were prideful and thought that they could make themselves like God and create something that was show themselves like God, what did God do? He said, well, no, I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to send you because you are, are, are rebellious people, and so I'm going to mix you up because you are not worshiping me. He's saying, oh, now I'm going to save you so that as my people you will gather together and proclaim my great name. 
Remember Genesis chapter 11, verse 8 through 9, he says, So there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and then he stopped the building the city. Therefore it is called Babylon, for there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. Here God is instead now gathering those who are no longer wanting to worship themselves, but to serve God alone, to trust in him truly. And in this, we see this wonderful picture that the God of the universe saw them, Judah in their rebellion, sees us in our rebellion, and in the same way wants to create in us a heart and a life and a person that worships him. You know, many of you have experienced what it's like to be kind of a new place in life or a new person or a new stage. Some of you recently experienced going to high school for the first time and you realize, you know, okay, I can't be as immature as I was in you know, middle school. I can't do those things because I'm going to be bulldozed by a senior in the hallway if I do something like that. Something about your nature changes. You behave differently. You act differently. You know you have to change a little bit because something is in here new because you're now in high school. Well, maybe you're a single person. Maybe you've either graduated college or you're, maybe you've, you've, you've been a few years and you're finally out and you're, you're, you're making your way on your own and you're trying to figure out everything. You know you have to split the bill with maybe a roommate or you've got to form a budget. You've got to do all these things and you're thinking about how am I going to do all this and somehow it realized, you realize it's like, oh, I'm kind of an adult now. I've got to make very important decisions that are going to impact me forever and so you change something about you changes because you're going to behave and walk in a different way or maybe you have just retired and you're used to the nine to five 40 hour a week or 60 hour a week grind and you're doing these things and and somewhere week probably I've, I've heard it's longer than just day one it's it's a couple months later you finally realize oh, I don't have to go back to work tomorrow. I don't have to do that. I don't have to answer those emails or phone calls or I've got a new way that I can live. And so you begin to create this new way. Friends, in the same way, we know that we were enemies of God and that we lived in a way that was so selfish and that was so immature and and so hateful and spiteful and and even though if we tried to be good people we knew something was missing something was not right but God by his grace came upon us by the spirit and he changed us and our life looked different and we might not could say this is the day or the moment some of us can some of us can say, right then, everything changed for me. Some of us, it took many years. Some of us, it took a week. But we know something changed in us. Instead of desiring ourselves, we desired God and his ways and being around his people and living for him. 
and we realize God has done a miracle in us. And we know that as Zephaniah is saying to the people who were enemies of God, who were rebelling against God, that, hey, God is saying he is going to change us and make us a new people. Well, friends, that's what's happened to us in Christ. That God has sent us mercy and he has chosen us and, and that we've understood and accepted Christ's propitiation for mercy and forgiveness, that we confess our sin, repent and believe by the leading of his spirit, that we receive cleansing, that we find sweetness in the relationship with Christ, we find a hatred for sin and we become a new people. Friends, this is the work of God. And when all of the world is spiraling and things are getting just weird, God is changing us. God is saving me. God has saved you. And if you give him the opportunity to listen to his word, brother or sister who are far from him, the truth will come to you. God does this for Israel. He is doing something greater, and we celebrate this in salvation. Maybe that day is today for you, friend. Maybe today is the day that you repent and believe, and that God changes you, or you're down a path that you see that God is doing something in you to change you. For those of us who have been changed, we rejoice. Because God, who will do this, has done this in us. And we celebrate that in him. Number two, God will give his people a pure heart to serve him. Verses 11 through 13, on that day, you will not be put to shame because of everything you have done in rebelling against me. For then I will remove from among you your jubilant arrogant people and you will never be haughty again on my holy mountain I will leave a meek and humble people among you and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord the remnant of Israel will no longer do wrong or tell lies a deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths they will pasture and lie down with nothing to make them afraid number two God will give his people a pure heart to serve him. Zephaniah continues to see this broad, wonderful picture of Judah and Jerusalem and Israel, his people, that, that they were exiled because of their rebellion and sinfulness, and yet God is still going to do something good in them. He's going to create in him, them a people. And yet, not just stop there, when he draws them back to the city, when he draws them back to himself, he is changing them. They are now living differently than they were before. We see that Zephaniah continues this magnificent trajectory of grace through these verses. That God is going to redeem a people and restore them and remove their shame from what they were before and then transform them he is returning them to the condition of Adam and Eve before they sinned that the people of Judah were a proud people and what is he saying 
Haughty people don't have a place here anymore. Prideful people who live for themselves and not coming to me will change and they will live humbly. Their mouths will speak differently. They will not lie anymore or say or do harmful things. They will live in a way that pleases and honors me. They will lie down in a pasture, a pasture where sheep follow their shepherd. You see, this rejection of them will reject their pride and God confirms that he will be turning them away and changing them. Have you heard about these miracle berries or super berries? Have you seen those on TV or online somewhere? They're berries that you eat and after you eat a couple of them, I saw them on Shark Tank a couple weeks ago, you eat them and after about 30 seconds or, or more, every, it changes your taste buds. Everything that you taste is sweeter and better. So you can, if, if you would touch a lemon to your mouth, that's one of the things I love. Uh, one of my kids, which I won't name their name, when they, they would like to sit at the table and they would eat lemons and then they would make that face. But they'd keep doing it. I didn't understand why they, they knew it was painful, but they'd keep doing it. Well, this super berry changes it. And it's like almost, they say it's almost like an orange or like lemonade after you've taken these berries or something that's really sour or bad that after, instead of something sour that ooh, you're, you hit at, it's like, oh, that's something tolerable. It's, it's designed so that people, maybe uh, cancer patients who have lost their, uh, their taste buds or someone who just does not like to eat vegetables or whatever, that they have something that they know can change. Well, in the same way, God changes us that our tastes and our desires and who we are are changed. That we're no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for God and we're living for the good of others. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on a new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. Paul's writing saying, when you are saved, that you, through the working of the Spirit, through the working of the Word in you, that you are being transformed to look more and more like Christ, more and more like God, and in that we are being changed. And God changes us. And please let me be sure that we understand the order here. This is not that you work in a way that you might earn God's favor. No. No, friends, was, this is clearly that God changes your heart and you are saved. And in that, then you live to please him. Please don't hear or listen to teaching or churches or people who would say, work to do these things to earn God's grace. That is the opposite of grace. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be careful, and let me warn you, if you are here, even here today, saying, I am still working to earn God's love, or one day I'll get there, or are you a Christian? You, somebody asked you, are a Christian? You say, I'm trying. Well, friends, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to really trust and ask Have I really trusted in Christ for salvation?
because as we have sung even today his mercy and his grace are free it came through the work of Jesus on the cross and the only way for us to gain access it to gain the righteousness of Christ is by faith alone in him and when we are changed then God changes how we work and how we live and what we do brother and sister the good news is that God does not save us and then leaves us to live the way that we want to God does not change us and then think that everything's going to work out later God does not expect you to be saved and then nothing change God comes and makes you a new person that you live for him a holy pleasing life unto him that you would look to him and say yes good shepherd whatever you say I will do we must be reminded that we become the reflection of grace that we have received so therefore live for God brother or sister if you're here today and you can see areas of your life that you know are not pleasing to the Lord well guess what we all fall and fail but what you do next is a reflection of a changed heart do you run to Christ and ask for forgiveness do you seek help to step away from sin do you work to live for him do you do you live for him according to the scriptures then brothers and sisters you're doing the right thing but if you are ignoring a pattern of sin in your life brother and sister repent now seek out the gospel of Jesus and be changed and because God will do these things Number three, God will give us a jubilant heart to sing about our salvation. Through 14 through 20, this wonderful thing, it begins, verse 14, Sing for joy, daughter Zion, shout loudly, Israel. Be glad and celebrate with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. What is this? God is saying, rejoice because what am I going to do? I'm going to gather my people back you were in exile you're going to come back you're going to come back to the homeland you're going to come back to Jerusalem you're going to come back to Zion there's these pictures of I am restoring redeeming bringing back my people this wonderful thing is not a fleeting shout for joy it's a something that is in response of the redemptive work of God that he has returned his people and what are they doing throwing a party that they're celebrating that they live jubilantly. They're rejoicing because God has done a great thing in their lives. And friends, this is not fleeting or just a choice. It is a sing for joy, shout loudly. The transformation of his people come to understand that the judgment and death that was upon them has been changed and we've been inherited the grace of God. The people who are no longer people are now a part of God's people. And we see this. This promise becomes a literal regathering. And when we read it, it can't be just historical. 
Friends, we have said week in, week out, that when the prophecy comes, it is not just a prophecy to Judah. Yes, how jubilant are those people? They were run out of their homes. They no longer could go to their corner store. They couldn't go down to the temple and worship God. They were, so, they were put into slavery and less than people in other lands. And yet now they have returned to be their own people. This was something for them to celebrate. But how great is this? That it couldn't possibly be just limited to that one point in history. Because where does he say? I am gathering from all nations. I'm gathering from all places of the earth. I'm gathering from all my people everywhere to where this city, to where Zion, to where Israel, to where, to this greater reference of a heavenly Jerusalem. There's this wonderful picture of that we, his people, can sing because we know God is going to bring us home. And what does he have to, what do we have to sing about? I'm not going to go through all of it, but here, verse 13, he has taken away our punishment. Verse 15, he has turned back our enemies. Verse 17, he will rejoice over us. Verse 19, he will rescue the weak. Verse 20, he will bring us home. And this is the song of the people that we can celebrate even ourselves because we know we are redeemed because we are in Christ. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared these so that through his death he might, dest he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who are being held in slavery all their lives by fear of death. God has restored those of us who are in the clutches of Satan, in the camp of the enemy, that we might be restored as brothers and sisters. Friends, we should and can celebrate all that Christ has done, what he's done in our life, and how he has changed us, how he has forgiven us and taken away our punishment, how he rescued us who are weak. He has restored us and will restore us home. And we know that we will do this because one day we will celebrate with all people the risen Lamb. In Revelation 5, 9 through 10, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on earth brothers and sisters this is what we sing but let me tell you just one little note that we can't run over here very quickly verse 17 the Lord your God is among you a warrior who saves he will rejoice over you with gladness he will be quiet in his love and he will delight in you with singing. Friend, I don't know if you're here and you're seeking out Christianity or wondering if it's something that you can hold on to, but let me tell you that this verse 
cannot be found in any other man-made religion. In, in any belief system or structure on the face of the planet that the God whom we have rebelled against and hated came, as it says, is among you, came to the earth to die for you, to defeat sin for you, but he went further, rejoices over you, that loves you, that celebrates you, that those who have grievously rejected him over and over and over and over again, a disobedient people of God, when they have repented, God rejoices over us. God sings about us. Friends, what a beautiful love from a glorious God. Is this not the pictures that the parables that Jesus even said of the one who rejoiced when the lost coin was found? Or the one who rejoiced when the lost sheep was brought back? Or the wonderful father who rejoiced when his prodigal son had come home? Friends, this is the God who saved us. And we have a lot to sing about. Friends, we are going to face a lot of trouble in the days ahead. It is going to get far worse. And we need to rejoice in these days and trust in God because He is saving us and He will save us and we will trust Him every step of the way. Brothers and sisters, today I hope that you would sing and rejoice in what God will do. That if you were rebelling from him, that you would come and repent and become a child. If you are a child and a, a, a follower of Jesus, that you will see that God moved the universe to bring his only begotten son to die for his sins, and you are now counted as a child. I hope you never lose the wonder of this good news. And that for the rest of your life, you will live, no matter what comes, rejoicing in a God who sings over you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful truth that you will never abandon your people. You're restoring your people, that you have saved your people. And you've done through so through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would make in us a people who worship you truly and rightly and live for you. And God, for those of us who we know are your children, may we follow you fully. And God, may we rejoice in the people that you have created in us. So God, I thank you for this wonderful good news. And may, me, may we look forward to the happy ending that you have created through Christ Jesus for us. And it's in his wonderful name that we pray. Amen. Would you go ahead and uh, rise to your feet? He became sin who knew
basketball for most of my life. But my funnest time playing the sport was when I played linebacker at Michigan State University between 2009 and 2013. The best way that I can describe how I came to Jesus was an invitation. I had heard the gospel preached my whole life. I grew up in the church, but when I turned 15 years old, my mom gave me a choice uh, for what I wanted to do with my spiritual life. I chose to leave God behind. And the last game of my sophomore year, uh, playing against the University of Alabama in the Capital One Bowl, I got hurt. And when I got hurt, I lost my sense of self, I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was and, and why I was here. As I was struggling with my identity, uh, Phil Gillespie, who was the director of Athletes in Action at Michigan State, saw me struggling, and he just invited me to go to the ultimate training camp where they teach student athletes how faith and sport are combined. And I just saw student athletes in, in my stage and in my season of life passionately living for Jesus, and that really spoke to me. And then I, I heard the gospel preached in a compelling way, in a way that I can understand. So on the night of May 24, 2011, I gave my life to Jesus. Immediately after my conversion, uh, when I got back to campus, everybody saw that I was different. I wanted everybody to hear <laughs> the good news because Jesus did a radical work in me. And first of all, let me say that I love football. I've been playing since I was nine years old. And by the grace of God, I was decent at it. Playing professionally was a realistic opportunity, but I, I really felt like God was calling me into ministry. And I thought to myself on many occasions, this is what I want to give my life to. No matter where I go or where I'm at, my goal is to get people into a Bible study. So my wife and I, about eight months ago, we started a Bible study in my neighborhood, and about 14 of our neighbors are coming uh, consistently. And one of them, his name is Matt, he's not a believer yet, but I believe that as we go through God's story, as we talk about what God has been doing ever since Genesis all the way through Revelation, he's going to see that and respond to it uh, with repentance and faith. If Phil Gillespie was too afraid to give me an invitation, who's to say that I would know Jesus right now? So don't let the fear of rejection stop you from just, just loving people well. I would say just be intentional. God has put people right in front of you. Uh, maybe they're on your team. Maybe they're in your classroom. Maybe they're already in your friend group. That's your captive audience. Obey the Lord. That's it. Do what he's called you to do. Because it's in his calling on your life that you're going to find your greatest joy and your deepest satisfaction. Just choose someone and, and go for it. <laughs> My name is Christian Norman. I played outside linebacker at Michigan State University for four years. And now I'm a pastor at First Baptist Church of Woodstock. I have my one. Who's your one? Hey, that's a great reminder for us, the power of one invitation. So this summer, we are challenging each other that we know that the Lord has put someone in our life, just like he said, to bring to church this summer with us. So before the summer is out, we want you to invite and bring someone along. Make sure you, when you do invite or you share the gospel, that you put a ping pong in our, in our box out there so we can cheer each other on, pray for each other, and encourage one another this summer. So uh, I hope that the Lord has put on you who you're going to bring along this summer and that we can see what the Lord might do uh, in our church and here in our community. The latest statistics are that one in 10 people 
only one in ten people are attending a church or some religion of some kind. That means nine out of ten people that you walk through don't have a relationship with Christ and don't have a place to come worship. So there is someone you know to bring. So who is that going to be this summer? And I hope that you bring them along. A couple quick announcements, and then we've got some introductions, and then we've got, we've got a lot going on, so just bear with us real quick. Today, we will not have Gospel to Every Home today, because Pastor Mark is here not here, and we have our members meeting tonight. But next week is it important, because it's all-in week. We need three teams. We need lots of volunteers, people to go out, people to watch kids, people to pray. So next Sunday, 4 to 6, we'll be going to homes in our community and share the gospel. So hope that you will join us. Again, a reminder that tonight is our members meeting at 6 o'clock. It is followed by Ice Cream Social. You're going to hear a report from our students. You saw them over here, uh, several of them who are wearing their camp shirts. So you're going to hear pictures and a report from their camp. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of different things. Uh, I'm going to preview the Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to hear about some of our missions and ministries that are going on. So come tonight, 6 o'clock. You will not be disappointed. And then stay for the ice cream because we all love of ice cream so be here tonight uh, also something that's important as we think about urgent evangelism today uh, vacation bible school is coming up at the end of this month we have reached vbs month and so we need volunteers as of now we need seven gods a couple of subs for monday night we need a game helper and help with registration so if you can help in that way go see miss christy out in the ho uh, foyer today uh, and also she wanted to make sure that you knew that June 19th through the 23rd which is the week before she will be here doing decorations after six o'clock so if you can come and give an hour or two to help hang banners if you're a, uh, a man or a woman anything give us a couple time kids youth whatever to help decorate and turn this place uh, uh, over to vacation bible school we need your help and that's June 19th through the 23rd uh, also um, well I've done the who's your one I'm just trying to make sure okay uh, now what I want to do is introduce you to three couples uh, that uh, are coming forward for membership today uh, I'm going to bring the nose the Carnes, and the Macrolanes up so come on up here We like to do them in bunches, I guess, but they're all here. We're th thankful for them. Y'all just line up here so they can see your, your pretty faces, or at least your wives' pretty faces. Let's be excited for them. So Bill and Kim Mackerlane, Jake and Taylor Carnes, and... Joe and Donna, no, I got to see which order y'all were down there. Uh, they have all been through our new members class. They're all being plugged in in life groups already, and they've been attending for a while, and we are grateful. If you are as excited as, that, as I am, they've come to uh, join with us at Hebron Baptist Church where you say, hallelujah! hallelujah. Amen. So, I'm going to ask you all to go back to your seats and then at the end of our service if you would come back so that they can come to get to know you and church family uh, you can come and get to know them as we will vote on them in our members meeting tonight so get to know them a little bit talk to them and introduce yourself uh, to them today as we welcome them into the life of our church. 
All right, uh, we do have a time for offering. We have worshiped through song and through the word and what, uh, excited about what God is doing, but we do have a time for offering. So you can, uh, part of our worship is giving to him. You can do so uh, as the plates are passed here in just a minute. And then also, if you want to do electronically, you can scan there or in the pew in front of you, you can give electronically during this time. And then uh, we will go to our time of the Lord's Supper. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare for offering. Father, we are thankful for what you have done through us and for us by giving your son. You're a generous, great God who loves us, who gives to, uh, to us freely. And Lord, as we serve you, we should give freely as well as our tithes and our offerings. We're thankful for what you do as we support uh, elements like Who's Your One, Church Camp, Vacation Bible School. All this goes to reach our community. So Lord, help us as we give and that you would multiply it so we might do more things to reach people for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
amen. Great singing. Sit down if you don't mind. Uh, in your pew in front of you should be the elements for the Lord's Supper. Invite those, uh, if you are a believer who have been baptized uh, post-conversion, that you can join us.